Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please visit womenover70.com and consider joining Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, so we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, courage, and creativity. Members enjoy monthly program and discussions, and we hope to see you there. And today we're very happy to be talking with Sherry Clark as an advocate for women aging. Sherry Clark is a midlife courage coach. She gave herself that title because she believes, as she says, it takes guts to live the second half of your life for yourself when you've lived the first half for everyone else. Sherry's own varied paths include university administrator and student personnel, owner of an advertising agency, TV show host, author, health coach, raw vegan chef, and more. And through her Fork in the Road uh, talk series, Facebook group, midlife summer school, along with individual and group coaching, Sherry encourages women to free regrets, set boundaries, be visible, act courageously, and create legacy as they navigate midlife and beyond. So Sherry, welcome. We're so happy to have you with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. You know, let's start with um, uh, you're a midlife coach. So there's so many, the definitions of midlife seem to keep shifting. What, uh, wh- how do you define it or think about midlife? Mm-hmm. Broadly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when I say that, what I mean mostly is it, most people think about the beginnings of midlife as occurring uh, chronologically. Typically, we think of it as being sometime in our 40s. Um, I don't think that midlife has an end. I don't say it's between 40 and 65. And then magically, when when you're eligible for Social Security and Medicare, um, then you turn something other than midlife. I believe that it is a it's a continuum and that we're in various places in midlife, um, Mm -hmm. just like we are in various. There's early adolescence and later adolescence and an adult adolescence. (laughs) <laughs> adult adolescence <laughs> like that um so what you um your work is called you call it you chose fork in the road as a as a label or a brand and, and what all the varied things that you've been involved in i'm sure have contributed to uh, what you're doing now but what prompted you to actually start fork in the road and why are you emphasizing courage um Well, that's a deep question. I'm going to give you the high points from it. So I began Fork in the Road in 2009. And what it was, was a response to a visceral feeling that I had. And that visceral feeling was I had to get the hell out of what I was doing. (laughs) I had owned a business for 25 years. It was an advertising agency and it had come to own me. And I needed to get out. Um, I was 53 years old. And it was simply time to go. When you're at a cocktail party, hang with me. There's a reason I'm just saying this. Um, the second question people ask, first being, what's your name, is what do you do? Mm-hmm. And since I was leaving the advertising business and didn't really know what I was going to do next, all I knew was that I had to get out of there. Um, I decided I was going to be a coach and I decided I was going to be a health coach. And I got certification because I was interested in health and nutrition and all of those things. And 
decided that fork in the road sounded like a cool thing. Nutrition, fork in the road, making decisions about what you're going to eat, a fork. Hey, I'm in advertising, right? It's brilliant. It was. And and so I started doing that. And a couple of years into it, it was fine. I enjoyed it. It it wasn't lighting me on fire, but it it was, I knew I was on the path to something else. And I realized that a lot of women were asking me for help with weight loss, with um, addiction, food addiction, sometimes, you know, drinking too much wine, eating too much sugar, whatever it was. And I realized the problem wasn't that they needed to hire somebody like me and pay me money to tell them to eat more broccoli. (laughs) What they needed to do was get to the underlying problem that was getting them to numb out with food or to make poor choices or to be sedentary or not do the things that they knew were best for them. And those things have nothing to do with the the food pyramid. And Mm. that's when I made the transition to becoming a midlife courage coach. So still a coach, but with a different kind of a specialty, if you will. I started thinking about, well, what am I going to call this practice? And I realized fork in the road still fit. So I kept mm-hmm. it. That's the, that's the whole story of how it came to be. So you've had so much experience now with women uh, and individually and in all the different groups, the blogs, they all, so many ways of interacting with women. And you're really getting at the underlying psychology, I think, of of what's going on for people. So what do you, what are some of the insights you have then about the the issues or the challenges that midlife women encounter? We have what's more underneath the weight and the those other kinds of things. We have more in common than we often will realize. And most of the time it's because we don't share with each other some of the deeper thoughts, feelings, fears, anxieties, sometimes because of shame, of of the fear of not being accepted, um, of the feeling that we're the only ones that have had this experience. And that if we share this vulnerable feeling that we have of whatever it might be, that we won't fit in the tribe anymore, we'll be excommunicated from the circle. Um, And so for any woman listening who has any issue, who is in the back of her mind thinking, yeah, but you don't know my secret, my fear, my whatever it is that she's dragging around in a big garbage bag behind her. Honey, let me tell you, I don't think anything would surprise me at this point. I think I've heard it all. And um, the burden sometimes just being shared is the beginning of the process of healing. And I've got so many examples of that happening um, and witnessed it so many times that I know it to be truth. Could you give us an example without revealing anyone's identity? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) How long we have. Um, Well, (laughs) one example, one is actually the a great story would be the one that bridged me from the uh, going from the nutrition coaching into the life coaching. And this is just one of the clients who was part of the journey where I made the decision to go into the next thing. So let's call her Joni um, for, because that's not her name. And uh, Joni came to me and was having trouble releasing weight. And she signed up for a six month program. And she was what we call as coaches compliant. 
She did everything I told her to do and more. She did all of the things, did all of the homework, followed all the rules and the weight wasn't coming off. Mm -hmm. And there was a part of me as a coach that was thinking, maybe she's not as compliant as she's representing herself to be because I know this works and I don't know why she's having struggles. So we got to the end of our six month engagement and Joni said to me, Sherry, I don't know why I'm failing. I am so frustrated. I don't know what to do. I think I want to sign up for another six months and see (laughs) if, you know, maybe we can make it work if we stick at it longer. And I said, Joni, the, the, the definition of insanity, you know, Let's talk about this. Let's let I, I what I need from you right now is for you to come completely clean with me. Do you have a Hagendas problem I need to know about? Is there is there something you're withholding from me? And she said, No, I can't. I'm doing all the things that you're suggesting and more. And I said, Is there anything else? I was at wit's end. And she said, Well, this has nothing to do with the weight. But I feel like I trust you and I I know you love me. I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody. And I said, what's that? And she said, I have $40,000 in credit card debt. And worse than that, my husband doesn't know. And I sneak home at lunch every day to get the mail before he does to intercept anything that would reveal what the problem is. And Sherry, and this is the part where I want you to lean in, Sherry, I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. (laughs) And therein lies the answer. Joni's problem had a lot to do with the mind-body-spirit connection. Her problem had a lot to do with hanging on and clenching on and building things around to create safety. And we both sat there after the words came out of her mouth and didn't say a word and looked at each other because we both knew. So that's an example of when you work with someone and you work in community that sometimes the answer is as plain as the nose on your face, but you can't see it because you're not wearing your glasses. (laughs) (laughs) So that would be just a small, small, safe example. There's lots of other bigger ones. Powerful one. Yeah. I'm curious to know, Sherry, what, so what is the, psychology that you find around authenticity i mean people carry secrets right and so how is it that they you can help them or you understand about them the the psychology behind them that makes them do that a lot of it has to do with with trust um the client has to want to be assisted um, it's and which sounds obvious. I mean, you have to want to quit smoking to be able to quit smoking, and you have to want to be able to do fill in the blank, whatever it is. Um, so if someone comes to me and doesn't, I sense that there's not a level, and then of course it's you cr- trust grows, trust is earned, and so forth. But the other part is not it's not just trust in me; it's trust in themselves mm-hmm. that they have to be able to trust that that they will be taken care of, that whatever it is that they believe in, whatever their belief system is, whether it's a religious model, whether it's angels and spirit guides, whether it's just faith that it's all going to work out, whatever it is, that they have a mustard seed of trust Mm -hmm. that whatever they do will turn out okay. And there's an expression that I didn't make up, but I really love. And that is, it all turns out okay in the end. And if it's not okay, 
it's not the end. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I have to write that. I have to remember that one. <laughs> it's not okay. It's not the end. That's right. That's great. Um, <clears throat> I'm. I have been. I've been reading your blogs. You post something every single day. I can't imagine how you do that. Uh, and, and just in a wide range of, of topics. And and you've got um, a summer school going on. You've got your uh, coaching, individual and group coaching. And so I'm kind of wondering, where, where does this inspiration come from? Where do all these ideas come from for what you post in your blogs and what you're emphasizing in the summer school? Thank you. Um, it, it comes from passion, um, which I have in in spades and haven't always had. Because a lot of people say, oh, you have so much energy. There's energy and passion are kissing cousins, but they're mm -hmm. not one in the same. And the reason that I knew that it was time for me to leave my advertising agency, which was, by the way, 25 years in, we were successful. I was a published author. I'd written three traditionally published books. I flew 100,000 miles a year. We had clients everywhere. And it was great on the outside. And everybody wanted to be me. I love your life. You have a great life. And I'm like, I'm glad you think that it is that. But I've lost my passion. And when you find your passion and can plug yourself into the outlet that is the thing that you're supposed to be doing in your life, you find all kinds of levels of creativity. Um, my creative, my creative zone of genius when it comes to the things that you're referring to is I see the story. I see the layer below the layer. And that's what makes me a good coach. Um, it also makes me a good storyteller. Uh, it was funny. I walked this morning and I, I, I do my best writing in my head on my morning walks without music, without listening to somebody else's podcast, with just being in my own mind. And I walked past an abandoned, not an abandoned, it's now been sold house on my, that's part of my route. And I, I, there's a story growing there about the love that that house is starting to receive with new owners. And it's a metaphor for mm -hmm. when we take care of ourselves. I There was a, a thing that came out this week about one of my friends. I'm just going to be colloquial. She had had a boob job 20 years ago, needed to have her breast mm -hmm. implants explanted and the story behind all that for her. I didn't use her name. I didn't reveal things that would compromise her privacy, but her story is our story. Whether you've ever had an implant or not, it's the whole story of wanting to be more beautiful, to be more attractive to your husband, to fit in, to, to wear certain clothes. That is all of us. Whether it's coloring your hair or letting it go the natural color, whether it's deciding that you're not going to wear high heels anymore because they hurt your bunions or whatever it is, we all have this commonality. We are sisters. <laughs> So I, I uh, so much of what you have just talked about and and is a, um, available in your blogs and that seems to me a really important message is for younger women. And I'm wondering about, I think we, Gail and I talk about this also. You know, are we role models for younger women? Are what are we? What's our responsibility? 
to send the the right messages to younger women as they start to move toward midlife. And I'm wondering, what do you what do you think about that? Is that part of your mission? Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned in my introduction, I'm a midlife courage coach. And I specifically chose that as my moniker, my title, um, uh, and, and with courage being a capital letter word, because um, it, you know, there are a lot of midlife coaches and some really good ones. Mm-hmm. I focus on the word courage because I think, as you indicated, it takes guts to live the second half of your life for you when you live the first half for everyone else. I think the way that we can, women of of a certain age, those of us who are, I call it the heritage highway, because it's fork in the road, um, those of us on the heritage highway, if you will, have a, I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a duty or an obligation, because I don't want to make it sound that, it, it needs to be voluntary, but to demonstrate courage to younger women in whatever way that fits for us. So one of the things that I say when I talk about courage is I believe that there are two kinds of courage. The first kind of courage is the kind that you demonstrate when a building's on fire, you know somebody's in there and you do everything you can to help get them out, whether that somebody is a pet or a loved one. or what, And that courage depends on the how many flames and whether you just call a 911 or you run in, but you get what I'm saying. That that same kind of courage is the courage that you need if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, I've got bad news. Mm-hmm. And you have to this courage that wells up inside you that says, I'm going to fight for my life. That's the first kind of courage. I call that reactive courage. You're reacting to something. The second kind of courage I call proactive courage. That's the harder kind to come by. That's the kind of courage that I had to find in my own sense when I left my successful advertising agency, when I was making all kinds of money and had a great reputation and everybody wanted to be me and I wasn't happy and I wasn't fulfilled and I knew that I was wearing the wrong Cinderella shoes. (laughs) And that kind of courage is way harder because everybody around you is saying, you're 53, ride it out. You can retire when you're 60. Just and I thought to myself, seven the next seven years is my life. It's not like I'm gonna wait seven years and then start living. No, this seven years is still part of the that continuum I call my life. And so that kind of courage, when we can summon that and demonstrate that to younger women and show them that it you can go back to school at 66. And get an advanced degree, if that's what calls to you, that you can leave a marriage that's sucking you dry when you're 73 because it's not serving you and you finally tapped into those inner reserves. When we can do that, we're serving that other generation as well as serving ourselves and each other. Sherry, what are what are some of the cornerstones of courage? Dig dig a little deeper into what courage actually is. What does it take to be courageous? Faith. And um, again, I don't mean necessarily in the religious sense, faith in yourself that you've done hard things before. And a lot of times when I talk to women, when I'm coaching them, um, whatever it is they're facing feels like the biggest problem they've ever faced getting out of a marriage, quitting a job, starting a business, whatever it is, it's like, I've never done anything this big. 
But when I sit down with them and ask them about their lives, they have done things that big. Mm -hmm. They've given birth to children. They've been the first to go to college or they have said they've reported a crime that was committed against them. They went to therapy to deal with something, whatever it is. And each one of these little building blocks, we dismiss once we're out the other side. Oh, well, that wasn't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Hell, if it wasn't, you mm -hmm. didn't have the skills to do that. So we think uh, we diminish in a, by look when we look in the rearview mirror, all of those fabulous things that we did because we've got the skills that we have now. And that doesn't seem like that big a deal. One crazy example that I use, because one of the things that I do is I ask my women, um, not all of them, but I ask many of them, give me a hundred successes, especially the ones that don't have confidence. I want to hear a hundred things that you've done and that you're successful in your at in your life. And they look at me like you're crazy and they'll come off with a few at the beginning. And some of them, and I say, and you can't, none of them can be your kids. I raised five successful ch children. So there's five. No, these are your successes. What have you done? The first one that I wrote on my own list, because I do every exercise myself that I ask my women to do, the first one I wrote was, I got my driver's license, which sounds like, all right, well, most of us have done that. Okay, if you want to count that as a success. But here's the thing, Catherine, I failed my driver's test twice <laughs> and passed it on the third time. And my father owned a bus company. So what he did was he taught mostly men to drive class two vehicles, like buses and trucks and dump trucks. My father knew all about driving. And thus, I thought I should know all about driving. And he's the one that taught me. And I still flunked the test twice. I'm not proud of it. And I didn't tell anybody that story until I was probably 40. But there's a lot of successes in that. And it goes beyond getting that piece of paper that says it's okay for me to drive on the highway. It's a success of resilience, of going back, of overcoming the shame, of being able to say, I'm the daughter of a man who taught people how to drive and flunked my own test twice. So that, Gail, is one, that's probably the biggest one. Find faith in yourself. And then another cornerstone of courage is realize you're not in this alone. Find the people that will support you identify those that are on your team and they may not be the people that you're that you think of automatically they may not be the people that have a horse in your race is how i say it to to um like for i'll give you an example from my own life when i made the decision i did not want to be in that advertising agency anymore i would die and if i had to go show up there one more day and i told my best friend and the first time i told her she's the one that said to me are you sure? Like, I want to be you. You have this perfect, wonderful life. And she didn't want me to go because she thought my life was a certain way. And mm -hmm. I finally said to her, this isn't about you. <laughs> Thank you. This is about me. And you're either with me or you're against me. So we have to find the people on our team. And sometimes those people on our team are completely outside of the inner circle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Well, it's giving me a lot to think about. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, 
as I've gotten older and I will be 67 this year, um, I have realized that I myself have gone through many phases and portals of midlife and my view and perspective of midlife at this point is completely different than it was when I turned, you know, 45, which we think of our, as the initiation, most of us have into midlife. Honey, I didn't know anything at 45. And we so all know that. that now. How is it different? How is it different now? Oh, it's, you're still strong. I think this is for me. This is my, so I won't say, I won't call it the collective we, I'll say Sherry. Sherry at 45 was still striving. I still needed approval. I still needed success. I still needed to wear high heels. Um, I didn't get the boob job, but I still wanted to look good in my clothes and, you know, whatever that meant. And I'm not saying I don't care. I care deeply. I, I'm wearing something nice because I'm here with you guys. This is important to me to show up as what I, how I want to show up, but it, it, it's different. It feels different. It's for me, not for you. It's for me to, to, to own my, my magnificence, not to impress you and get you to think that I'm magnificent. And so it's the things that we realize we want that are important. Um, it's the, whether, whether we need credit for something, um, I used to give money to charities and let them put my name on the plaques or the whatever. And now I give anonymously. Mm-hmm. I I don't want the credit. I don't, I'm not grandstanding. I support things that are important to me for my own reasons. And it feels good to do that. No. So, so I, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, please. So the so the changes and this it's subtle shifts and they're inside. And there, it's the conversations that you have in your head with whoever you're having those conversations with and the, and the things that you say to yourself privately and quietly. So there's a, a, a big difference into how we act, how, how we want to be accepted externally versus later on in life when we feel more it's more important to accept ourselves internally. Did I get that right? I think so. Yeah. Um, and I and I also reserve the right, Gail, to to when I'm 70 and 75 and 87 to, to update and amend. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, it's a continuum. And I am acutely aware of the things, especially I'll read blog. I've written blogs since 2009. I'll read some of the things that I wrote back then. And I'm like, I was so naive. (laughs) Well, you have the right to that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that's, that's part of the joy of this. And it's part of the joy of when we were talking about younger women earlier, you know, and what can we offer them? It's looking at them and meeting them where they're at, which is an expression that's used all the time. But it's it's realizing you're not you don't have to instill all your knowledge in them. You can't. They can't hear it. You could speak all of the pearls of wisdom. It's like pearls before swine. And I don't mean that the way that it might sound, but it's like they're not going to get it. They're going to have to get there. So you the best thing we can do is open up, embrace where they're at, give them encouragement give them comfort if that's what they need, and then demonstrate our own courage 
by being true to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Excellent advice for parents and for all of us. <laughs> um, I just, before the last few minutes, Sherry, you live in Des Moines, Iowa, correct? I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think you, you're quite active in some community work activities. Can you talk about that a bit too? Yeah. So um, I, I, until the pandemic, I was a, a television host. Um, I were, and I did a television segment on our local station. And then when we stopped having people in the studio, it turned out to be a, a good a break for me to be able to say, you know, I've done this for six years. I think I'm done with this. Um, I am a PEO. There are maybe some women listening that know what um, it's a philanthropic educational organization that is based right here in Des Moines, and it uh, helps women with their educational goals and so forth. Um, So, yeah, I do a a lot of different, some of them are ad hoc things. I volunteer for, um, I love animals and animal rights. And so I do that kind of work as well. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you would like to say before we have to bring this to a close? Anything um, to our audience? Yes. Our if, if in listening to this, um, you'd like to have, I call them courage calls, courage conversations, because you want to explore some aspect of your own life. It's not something, there's not an obligation. I love, I hope I hope it's abundantly clear. I have a lot of passion about this. I can talk about this. And actually, I love to listen and hear from other women. And what are you going through? Um, Was there anything that I said that you would take issue with, that you disagree with? Can I learn something from you, a listener? Um, I would enjoy having that conversation. And I'm sure you're going to be able to give them uh, ways to reach me if that's yes, something. Yes, definitely will. Right. Anything else, Gail, from you? No, this was very interesting. Very interesting, Sherry. And you gave us a great perspective on on uh, how things change as we get older and how we have to have the courage to move move towards them, move towards our passions. Yes. So listen, thank you for your loyalty. Because of you, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas, and that's a good thing. Still, we need more subscribers and reviews on Apple Play and YouTube. Support women over 70 and let your voice be heard and help us change the conversation about women aging.